0: Knows And don't, don't, Kramer, would there's no way he would have done anything to affect the judgment. What really affected the judgment was the fact that Kramer, uh, uh, the, the uh, crowd. He, he didn't lie the, on the, the floor crowd. for but three minutes. Because and, of that, yeah. it got the crowd so into it, and the officials are, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and my only thing is that was the one time, like Michigan needed a big win, a big upset win. They had a good chance in that, and that completely shot any chance. The right
0: air it
2: popped out of the balloon yeah. right after that. So, uh, Michigan gets back at it a must win Thursday night against Penn State. Well, that game plus the hockey games against Lake State over the course of the weekend. We leave you with our uh, unended call, Jeremy and I, from West Lafayette this weekend of that Manny Harris play. If you want to relive the entire Michigan Purdue game, the anniversary journey through the Midwest, you can do so on our website at wcbn.org. A little bit over tonight, a busy show, a lot to talk about for everybody in the studio. Rob Salomon from Ann Arbor. Good night. Point game, 90 seconds into the second half. Mackey Arita, West Lafayette, an elbow, swinging elbow thrown unintentionally by Harris as Kraber went to the floor. He's still down. Mackey crowd gretting on Manny Harris. And again, there was no way Manny intended to do that. Probably didn't even realize Kraber was that close to his face. Purdue playing tough man-to-man defense. And Kraber's still lying on the floor. An offensive foul was called against Harris. Kramer was in close on Harris, and he looked like he was just trying to get some sort of separation between Kramer and the ball. the Harris tried to use that elbow to generate that separation, and it certainly did hit Kramer with some sort of velocity, but I agree, unintended. Chris Kramer lie on the floor, and he's the usual. He started in years past at point guard this year for the most part. He's been coming off the bench. For the freshman point guard of Lewis Jackson. Kramer did start today. And look at the amount of blood that's on the floor. May have hit him right in the nose as Kramer is still now into an upright position. But noticeably shake it up. But again, we have not seen a Lewis Jackson at all. So Kramer cannot return or at least is out here for significant minutes. Let's see who runs the point for Purdue. Injury timeout here with 18-28. Throw him out, Shan, for the paint crew here at Mackey. <laughs> Chris Graven to his feet. And he will slowly make his way to the board of the bench and possibly into the locker room. And now look at Chris Kramer rally up the crowd. I had to go ahead and win this game. And the officials were talking with John Bieland. I think they're looking at the monitor here. Remember, this was a similar situation to what happened with Zach Novak when he threw that elbow. And again, that was intentional. They looked at the video monitor and elected to flagrant foul, eject him from the game. Now here... Again, it is, I imagine, a discretion call for the official. But from our vantage point, it did not look like it was an intended elbow thrown by Manny Harris, which would warrant his ejection. It's a rather typical play from the guy who handles the ball to try and generate separation when he has the ball and he has a guy playing very close in on him. Flavron foul. Oh, Manny Harris must have been ejected. He was going to the locker room. Wow. I don't agree with that. That is shocking. Well, the flagrant foul is certainly warranted. When you draw blood like that, it's generally the the consequence. But the ejection. Humble makes the second technical. So Manny Harris ejected. And And Humble took those free throws. So Kramer coming back into the game is certainly a question mark, if not illegal. That is true as well. So this has gotten very interesting now. Manny Harris has been ejected. John Beeline not happy. Michigan still leads by one.
1: Well, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And yeah, we'll give the officials a brain damage award. Harris should not have been ejected. Unfortunately, in basketball, there are inadvertent elbows. It was just an unlucky play. It was not vicious and terrible call.
0: Anyway. Well, a quick comment on uh, sports-related matters, too. Uh, oh, okay. Brain Damage Award also to the knucklehead contingent at Yost. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a really unsavory place to be, and I know hockey has a reputation to be a rough, tough sport and so forth, but there's uh, nothing that says uh, you have to be a complete jerk uh, yeah. to be a hockey fan, certainly. So, uh,
1: Yeah, we, we need more sportsmanship in sports, and if you want to watch some what I would call some of the best sports of our era. Watch these Nadal-Federer matches. They are remarkable, and I dare say the Australian Open was more interesting than the Super Bowl, though the Super Bowl had its moments. I didn't see as much of the Super Bowl as normal, but on we go. Um, And this is a perfect segue. Babe Ruth once uh, was asked why he should be allowed to make more money than the president. And his famous reply, and this, we're talking here about the Bambino back in the 1920s, he was essentially the first athlete anywhere on the planet to make over $100,000 as a performing athlete. And he said, well, I had a better year than the president. <laughs> and I say this in response to the uh, continuing outrage over um, Wall Street bonuses that are part of the bailout money that's going in one door and out the other. And yeah, you have to agree with Claire McCaskill who called them idiots because uh, they are idiots and this needs to get under control
0: um, somehow, some way. I don't see anybody in that bracket who deserves a bonus. Yeah. I mean, even if the cash were available. And uh, Nobel
1: Economic. Uh, Winner, Nobel Economics Prize winner Paul Krugman points out that Citigroup and Bank of America currently have a combined market value of only $52 billion. And these two banks, by the way, combined, have already received over $90 billion of taxpayer money. You do the math. That's pretty frightening. And uh, this idea of a, quote, bad bank bailout concept, I I just don't quite understand how it works. It's sort of like the myth about putting the Iraq War expenses off books. Um, This is just not generally accepted accounting principles. And we'll have a little update on the Iraq War because the brand-new Nation magazine is out with uh, staggering statistics about the actual cost of the Iraq war, uh, something that the media continues to ignore despite marginal process involving the surge. Uh, When you see that uh, UN figures and Iraq body count figures and other surveys, uh, UNICEF, for instance, reports that 40% of uh, households in Iraq have clean water. More than 40% of children in Basra and more than 70% of uh, children in Baghdad cannot attend school. Don't believe any of this mainstream media hype that the surge is working. It's worked on the margins to a very limited extent. extent. And from an American serviceman's standpoint. Yeah. It's ethnocentric perspective perspective. Reporting by the media again, and I guess I'll just get to this right off the bat, since what the heck we've yeah, already well. started. Uh, this by John Turman, who's the executive director and principal research research scientist at the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Center for International Studies. Has a nice little synopsis in the uh, February 16th edition of The Nation magazine. Uh, the UN estimates, and I'll quote here, that there are 4.5 million displaced Iraqis, more than half of them refugees, or about one out of every six citizens. Only 5% have chosen to return to their homes over the past year, a period of reduced violence from the high levels of 2005 to 2007. Just mentioned the UNICEF report about uh, the appalling condition of children uh, in Iraq, in in the two biggest cities there. Terman writes uh, regarding uh, some of the surveys, uh, regarding household surveys uh, conducted between 2004 and 2007. He says, quote, none have been conducted for 18 months, and the two most reliable surveys were completed in mid-2006. The highest of those found 50,000 uh, 50, excess deaths. The others yielded 400,000. Iraq Body Count of London, an NGO that uses English-language press reports from Iraq to count civilian deaths, Uh, and it provides a means uh, to update the 2006 estimates, and he he writes, while it's known to be an undercount because if press press reports are incomplete, the Baghdad-centric IBC nonetheless provides useful trends, which are striking. It estimates that nearly 100,000, more than double its June uh, 2006 figure of 44,000, does not include nonviolent excess deaths from health emergencies, for example, or, quote, insurgent deaths. So at present, we have between 800,000 and 1.3 million excess deaths as we approach the six-year anniversary of this war. The overall figures are stunning, four and a half million displaced, one to two million widows, five million orphans, about one million dead, in one way or another, affecting nearly one in two Iraqis. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Disgusting. And um, I saw in a recent editorial by Nicholas Kristof, and I agree with a lot of what he uh, his perspective on things, but I think it would be, I do think there needs to be an investigation into um, the uh, wrongdoing of the Bush administration regarding torture, international law, etc. But the notion of appointing a quote commission with John McCain and Brent Scowcroft in charge, with Philip Zelikow quote writing the report. Is ludicrous. Philip Zelikow covered up a lot of mischief about the 9/11 report. He wrote the doggone thing. Yeah, it turned out he had worked for Condoleezza Rice. He had participated in a NSC study, um, which sort of advocated invading Iraq. So uh, yeah, we need to investigate the mischief of the Bush administration, but we should not have a known, uh, known allies of the Bush administration uh, heading the commission and or writing the report.
0: Certainly there's a long list of crimes and misdeeds to get to, uh, but that would be uh, entirely a waste of time as, com- as comprised there. In about a week and a day, of course, uh, it'll be polling day in Israel, and uh, really the... Uh, Excursion, if we'll euphemistically call it that, since euphemism seems to be the uh, the way to go here uh, these days. Uh, excursion into Gaza has benefited anybody. It's been Netanyahu and Likud. And, uh, in fact, there's a pretty substantial swing to the right going on. Even uh, Zippy Livni. Zippy, don't call me the pinhead, Lipni. zippy doo dah <laughs> Livni. zippy dee uh leader of the Kadima party, is uh, described by Netanyahu uh, supporters uh, in these negative terms, and this is meant to be a a big put down here uh, against her. She's generally considered to be the Mrs. Clean of uh, Israeli politics, uh, very telegenic and uh, and so forth, uh, well liked. Uh, Hillary Clinton? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, telegenic, of course, is uh, one of uh, Bibi, uh, don't call me boo-boo, Netanyahu's uh, charms, if we can uh, dubiously call them that. Um, He certainly knows how to uh, work the television. But uh, anyway, uh, Livni's been uh, denounced in these terms by uh, Likud supporters. She wants to please the Americans, and she will make too many compromises. Well, see, that's a bit of a head-scratcher, because if you look at the uh, last few years, even the last few weeks, uh, there's never really been much criticism and very little demand for Israel to compromise. Uh, They pretty much uh, write their own ticket with regards to policy, and the most uh, glaring correction they'll receive from the United States is the occasional abstention from a vote at the Security Council uh, level which was indeed the firmest stand against an uh, Israeli action that the Bush administration took in the entire eight years. So uh, when that's the right-wing critique of a right-of-center uh, politician, uh, Ms. Livney, you know Israeli politics are going way right. Uh, the ultra-nationalist uh, religious conservative parties are also expected to do quite well.
1: Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, just coming from a sort of uh, mainstream perspective here, how George Mitchell uh, performs as special envoy. It's interesting to note that the Bush administration put no priority on this throughout the eight years of this uh, winter of our discontent, um, or maybe the decade of our discontent. Um, You know, the economic record continues to just... Be appalling, and it's George Mitchell is a professional, and he did do good work to quote Mr.
0: Belvedere. <laughs> that legendary Detroit. He might not give you five pounds of coffee, but
1: uh, we do good work. Was, <laughs> I think he was a Windows guy, yeah, <laughs> storm was Ollie Fredder, anyway. <laughs> oh, Ollie Fredder, <laughs> Mr. Belvedere does good work. Well, yes. Mitchell does good work too, and uh, he was. Uh, uh, instrumental in the in, in negotiating the um, Irish IRA peace Indeed. process with, with Great Britain. But something nobody thought would ever happen. And that of course is a model. Yeah. That is a paradigm for uh, dealing with a complicated political, quote, ethnic cl- class slash religious uh, cultural uh, conflict in which there's, quote, terrorism at the heart of the problem, so to speak. Ongoing for decades with, yeah. you know, glaring Centuries. errors on both
0: sides. Centuries yeah.
1: in, in this particular instance. And um, I think that he can... Do some good work, and it'll be interesting to see how this ultimately progresses, because obviously uh, there's a new sheriff in town, and uh, indeed, speaking of Hillary Clinton, she was uh, sworn in today. Uh, She is the new uh, secretary of state. uh, State. I don't know if she bungled the uh, oath of office, but uh, I'm sure that Rush Limbaugh can find some sort of slip-up somewhere since he's emerging as the new arbiter of the future of
0: the Republican Party. <laughs> um, Boy, they really are in trouble, aren't they? They are in trouble. <laughs> I mean, we talked about that when the election had transpired, yeah. but uh, if Rush Limbaugh is indeed the uh, guiding intellectual light. And it's
1: it's remarkable. I mean, you know, I think that there are obviously some... <laughs> I have some misgivings about the so-called stimulus package, and it'll be interesting to see how that ultimately plays out, because obviously we're going through a a Senate bill and a conference bill, and nothing really will probably be on anybody's, quote, table for at least another f- five to six weeks. But for no Republicans to sign on to the rescue package, to sort of box themselves into a corner, uh, Frank Rich noted, by the way, that Gallup polls now show that the Republican Party is a, quote, majority party in only five states in the United States of America. Uh, and you can count that they are, are south of the Mason-Dixon line. Um, I don't even know if Alaska is a safe Republican seat anymore or district. But when Rush Limbaugh sees Sarah Palin <laughs> as the future standard, standard bearer <laughs> of the GOP, well, God save the Queen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, nothing to offer uh and uh yeah, a whole lot of nothing.
1: I mean, it's turning into a comedy of 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 sorts. Uh, they're they're so
0: Well, David, ludicrous. Le- David Letterman uh was uh, of course all the late night talk show guys are uh with the advent of a new political administration one that actually has some credibility and some competence um w- was noted to observe that gosh, it's you know going to be a little harder now to this stuff isn't going to write itself we're actually going to have to work right. to write comedy um, but uh, I don't know I think the Republican Party might be the standard bearer there for uh, self-obliteration uh, and just utter ridiculousness yeah and and Rush Limbaugh
1: tries to be a comedian but he's not funny
0: yeah that he's, is one essential component of, of comedy he's a joke
1: and on the good news regarding uh, the new uh, sheriff in town, it's been reported by Reuters that uh, Blackwater has been told by the State Department that it will not renew its contract in Game Iraq. over. Good news f- for once. Uh, and, of course, Blackwater, the uh, security corporation, uh, making millions of dollars off the Iraq war. Donating a
0: sizable chunks of that right back to the Republicans. Yeah,
1: for their uh, election campaigns, and uh, they, of course, were the quote, contractor, subcontractor, whatever you want to call it. It's been involved in all sorts of crazy stuff like electrocutions at um, uh, army uh, installations in Iraq, American army installations. 17
0: civilians shot in an incident in a village square.
1: Yeah, and then that Fallujah business uh, in which the uh, corpses were Desecrated and uh, – uh, <laughs> desecrated, I guess, is adequate. That's, that's
0: adequate, yeah.
1: Hung from the bridge, <clears throat> yeah. A desecration of corpses, that was a very uh, bad incident, but those were Blackwater people that had no idea what they were getting into.
0: Well, and actually, they probably, possibly, maybe is a better word – had some degree of detachment from the whole thing, because of course the way the Bush administration was running the program, they weren't culpable for anything. They weren't legally responsible in the way that even U.S. servicemen are. Obviously in times of war there's a lot of slack that's cut with regards to self-defense and survival of the armed units and so forth, but uh, these abuses from Blackwater are just way over the, the top of acceptability and Certainly, uh, the attempt to legally prosecute those involved in this village shooting incident um, is met with mixed success, but uh, these are legal matters.
1: Yeah, and kind of Lisa Rice's testimony before the uh, investigative bodies of Congress over the past couple years regarding Blackwater border on ludicrousness to perjury. They're just not credible, and... uh, I think, as Henry Waxman once pointed out to her, but you are in charge of the State Department. (laughs) Something she never quite understood. Uh, We've had some interesting uh, weather uh, information. Uh, Front page of the Ann Arbor News today informs us that Thus far, this is the 12th coldest winter on record. Since the 1880s,
0: I think, when they began uh, keeping track. We
1: we had a rough month, but uh, things are looking up, so to speak, temperature-wise, this weekend. Yeah. And uh, this is winter, but uh, I've seen some recent uh, polling data that is troubling. Uh, Apparently, 8% of Americans now have concluded that global warming is a bit of a myth. (laughs)
0: Yeah, those are the fools saying, "Well, winter's cold. This isn't no global warming. I'm cold."
1: And they look at recent weather, and it's you know, it's this is the coldest time of the year normally. And yes, there's been a jet stream that's made the eastern United States uh, east of the Mississippi uh, colder than normal, Uh, but the West has been way above normal. Yeah, and people are ignoring that anyway. In an interesting uh, panel of uh, scientists that convened last week. Uh, I'm quoting here from Cornelia Dean regarding the rising acidity is threatening the food web of oceans, uh, uh, science panel says. She writes, the oceans have long been buffered, have long buffered the effects of climate change by absorbing a substantial portion of the greenhouse carbon gases. But the benefit has a catch as the gas dissolves, it makes seawater more acidic. Now an international panel of marine scientists say this acidity is accelerating so fast that it threatens the survival of coral reefs, shellfish, and the marine food web generally. The panel, consisting of 156 scientists from 26 countries and international groups, is not the first to point out of the growing ocean acidity as an environmental threat quote, severe damages are imminent, the group said Friday, and I'm reporting here from uh, the 31st, uh, which is Saturday's New York uh, Times edition, at its deliberations at a symposium in Monaco (laughs) last October. The statement, and it's interesting that they would now report on this. Yeah. Three months later. The Monaco Declaration said that the increasing acidity was interfering with the growth of healthy uh, shellfish and eating away at coral reefs, damaging the entire food web process generally. Quote, the chemistry is so fundamental and the change is so rapid and severe that the impacts on organisms appear unavoidable, according to James Orr, who uh, headed the uh, symposium scientific committee they report that acidity in surface ocean waters has increased by 30% since the 17th century and by the way this is reliable science this is not voodoo economics or cold fusion these or are Nancy
0: Reagan's astrologer
1: yeah these are actually people uh, most of them lived in Western Europe that were very interested in environmental and nature and observed things, took readings, saved samples. um, And oceans, by the way, just for you people out there that want to learn something, uh, absorb about a quarter of the carbon dioxide emissions uh, globally, which is very interesting because as the gas dissolves in the ocean, it produces carbonic acid. And uh, in one of the things that I find the most disturbing, uh, according to the declaration, and I'll quote this, ocean acidification may render most regions chemically inhospitable to coral reefs by 2050, group, the group said, and can only be controlled by in a limiting future as, uh, atmospheric levels of CO2. So um, this is very bad news and just underscores the need for uh, coordinated global action on this problem.
0: Well, and it makes the last eight years of utter time-wasting and thumb-twiddling or thumb-insertion, if you will, uh, since it's the dinner hour... uh, Even more pathetic and regrettable.
1: Yeah. And that was one of Bush's first acts as president to withdraw from the Kyoto uh, agreements, which of course were inadequate at
0: the time. But But if we'd been at least starting with something and working to refine it and enhance it over a period of eight years, Mm -hmm. we'd be somewhere. Somewhere. Instead, we had Mr.
1: Nowhere. (laughs) We're in nowhere. He's a real nowhere man.
0: Indeed. Living in a mansion in Texas now. Right. And find nowhere to stick him. Speaking of nowhere, I see you clip the uh, octuplets. Stop! article. Oh, right. Yeah. Good gosh. This is uh, another inspired individual, no doubt, who uh, praises the holy miracle of God when. Uh, Medical science makes it possible to spawn eight children in one go.
1: Well, and the the trouble here is that this is a woman that apparently already had six children and her grandmother or her mother uh, says, stop, uh, quote, I'm not going to be here when (laughs) she returns. Um, Because she said, quote, I can't take it any longer. She's got six children and no husband. I was brought up in the traditional way. I firmly believe in marriage, but she didn't want to get married. So one wonders about the religious right uh, and this uh, whole thing, because apparently she would not uh, abort one of these uh, in vitro fertilized uh, embryos to to enhance the survivability of the others. Right. Um, And this is an example of...
0: Human puppies?
1: Yeah. Well, just craziness. Uh, I don't know how much this costs... Um, insurance companies. Are the, oh, yeah. yeah for a, crazy. Uh,
0: yeah, postnatal care. Uh, these are going to be very small infants. Uh, this is very costly. And, of course, it, it takes up valuable hospital resources that are needed. And
1: now she has a family of 14, <laughs> which means she can field a football team <laughs> with three referees to
0: boot. <laughs> Yeah, it's instead of having the uh, puppy ball as uh, one of the channels on TV had as an alternate program to the Super Bowl yesterday, puppies frolicking on a football field uh, designed little table type room. We could have uh, toddler ball, toddler ball, with Rush Limbaugh calling the uh, <laughs> calling the game,
1: calling the game, and letting <clears throat> Americans know that this is about freedom. But um, you know, I. I think there needs to be some sort of minor investigation into this matter. Not, not that I'm, uh, you know, it just it strikes me that the Kaiser Permanente Bellwater or Bellflower, excuse me, uh, medical center needs to have its head examined. Uh, this procedure should not have been either encouraged or maybe even allowed under any. <laughs> Rational form of ethics Interestingly by the way She's from Whittier oh. home, home of Richard Nixon <laughs> Good good Yeoman stock Perhaps he can be the The godfather <laughs> From Beyond the grave Give the octuplets Advice <laughs>
0: Well what we need To do now is <laughs> oh boy oh boy <clears throat> well of course uh gray matters uh will be wrapping up shortly as the city calling uh will begin uh in due course once the uh, host for that program arrives i don't think it's jerry tonight so uh we should be uh seeing that individual soon um if not we'll take care of your blues needs out there eventually But uh, just a quick mention of a couple things. Today, of course, marks not only Groundhog's Day, but James Joyce's birthday. Oh, yeah. He was born in uh, 1882. understand,
1: Uh, by the way, they're having a little...
0: Poetry at the, at the Old Town, yeah, there's a yeah. James Joyce uh, celebration tonight, a reading. People are encouraged to bring uh, their favorite passage from Joyce. I'm a big Finnegan's Wake fan. Uh, there's very few of us who have read the entire thing. Uh, it's a life's pursuit, but it affords endless uh, amusement and uh, literary fun. Uh, truly one of the great writers of the English language. And uh, sadly, uh, the difficulty of a number of his texts have rendered them... Uh, not so uh, frequently read these days, yeah. but Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man is uh, still a very important and quite readable book, and everybody should, you know, take a look at Finnegan's Wake and uh, appreciate what this man achieved. Um, Joseph Campbell, the noted uh, comparative myth uh, professor. Uh, took many of his uh, ideas and inspirations from Joyce's Finnegan's Wake, Mm -hmm. uh, including the term monomyth, which is now widely used in uh, academic circles uh, to describe the sort of heroic cycle that uh, characters in mythology particularly go through, uh, comes straight out of Joyce's Finnegan's Wake. So this is an important artist and worth noting.